Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Sir Walter Scott was born in 1771 in Edinburgh, Scotland. He created the genre of historical fiction in a series called The Waverly Novels. In his phenomenally popular works, he managed to arrange the plots and characters so that the readers entered into the lives of both great and ordinary people caught up in violent, dramatic changes in history. To some degree, Scott's work shows the influence of both the Scottish Enlightenment and the Great Awakening. So, for instance, he believed every human was basically decent, regardless of class, religion, politics, or ancestry. In fact, tolerance is a major theme in his historical works. He was the first novelist to portray peasant characters sympathetically and realistically, and was equally just to mendicants and soldiers. But the novels also expressed his belief in the need for social progress, which would not reject the traditions of the past. Thus, he drew on his great Scottish legacy of Calvinism, Covenantalism, and Communitarianism. Clearly, his early influences included long evenings of storytelling by his elders and his prolific readings in poetry, history, and drama, as well as in fairy tales and grand romances. In his introduction to The Fortunes of Nigel, Scott remarked, No one shall find me rowing against the stream. I care not who knows it. I write for the general amusement. Nevertheless, the works were clearly serious literary and intellectual efforts. In his portraits of Scotland, England, and the continent from medieval times to the 18th century, he showed a keen sense of political and traditional forces and of their influence on the individual. Indeed, Scott wrote frequently about the conflicts between different cultures. Ivanhoe dealt with the struggle between Normans and Saxons. The talisman described the conflict between Christians and Muslims in the Crusades. Both of his long narrative poems, Marmion and the Lady of the Lake, delved into the mythic clash of cultures in early English history, but it was for his Scottish novels that he was best known and most beloved. They have generally garnered the highest praise from critics and common readers alike. They deal with the cataclysmic clashes between the new commercial culture and the older clan culture. A number of the critics rank Old Mortality, The Heart of Midlothian, and St. Ronan's Well as Scott's best novels, but several other works in the Waverly series are also widely acclaimed, including The Antiquary, Rob Roy, and The Legend of Montrose. James Fenimore Cooper in America 
Honoré de Balzac in France, and Charles Dickens in England were among the many who learned from Scott's panoramic studies of the interplay between social trends and individual character. Victor Hugo asserted, Surely there is something strange and marvelous in the talent of this man who disposes of his reader as the wind disposes of a leaf, who leads him at his will into all places and into all times, unveils for him with ease the most secret recesses of the heart, as well as the most mysterious phenomena of nature, as well as the obscurest pages of history, whose imagination caresses and dominates all other imaginations, the um, clothes with which some astonishing truth, the beggar with his rags and the king with his robes assumes all manners, adapts all garbs, speaks all languages, leaves to the physiognomy of the ages all that is immutable and eternal in their lineaments traced there by the wisdom of God and all that is variable and fleeting planted there by the follies of men does not force. He does not force. Like certain ignorant romancers, the personages of the past, uh, to color themselves with our brushes and uh, smear themselves with our varnish, but compels by his magic power the contemporary reader to imbue himself at least for some hours with the spirit of the old times. Today, so much scorned, like a wise and adroit adviser inviting ungrateful children to return to their father. But besides his books, as well as the ideas that they spawned, the enthusiasms that they inculcated, Scott's vast and ornate estate overlooking the Tweed River remains a lasting testimony to the faith, vision, and passion of this remarkable man who almost single-handedly wrenched Scotland out of the dregs of self-immolation. Abbotsford became a combination folly, museum, and worldview proclamation of the great man's quirkiness, amiability, generosity, chivalry, virtue, family pride, national integrity, and most of all, his awakened faith. Beginning in 1804, Scott served as the sheriff of Selkirkshire. Initially, he made his home in a large house of Ashateel on the south bank of the Tweed, just north of Selkirk. When his lease on the property expired in 1811, he bought New Arthur, a, a farm at Cartley Hole, downstream on the Tweed near Melrose. Scott renamed the farm Abbotsford after a neighboring ford used in former times by the monks of Melrose Abbey. With money flowing in from his poetry and his early novels, he was able to expand the estate from 110 acres to 1,400 acres within a few years. 
He initially made only a few modest changes to the original farmhouse, but then he began to imagine massive expansions beginning in 1816, work that would continue off and on for the next two decades. Scott was a pioneer of the Scottish baronial style of architecture, and he described his work on the estate as a sort of romance in architecture and a kind of conundrum castle. Rambling, whimsical, and picturesque were expressions that he used at different times to describe the turreted and crenellated building. The old farmhouse was eventually demolished to make room for new constructions to accommodate a new study where he would write his later Waverly novels. He also added an armory to display his vast collection of swords, pikes, maces, dirks, daggers, suits of armor, helmets, and muskets. Another addition was his library, in keeping with the seemingly boundless interests of a man who was involved in every aspect of the world in which he lived, from law to politics, from antiquarianism to the latest scientific discoveries unveiled at the Royal Society of Edinburgh, the scope of the 9,000-volume Abbotsford Library is almost without limit. Scott's imagination and creativity extended beyond the walls of the house into the outdoors and the creation of beautiful formal Regency gardens. Indeed, from the Juliet balcony sighted at his bedroom window, the Rapunzel Tower overlooking the river, uh, to the Gothic staircase leading uh, to adjacent meadows and the greenhouse fitted out as a medieval jousting tent, Abbotsford is a kind of worldview declaration wherein the rocks and stones themselves cry out. Scott's labor of love has become an architectural and cultural caveat of the highest order. In other words, resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information, go to georgegrant.net or adoringgod.org.